Melbourne's blue-collar western suburbs in the 1960s, a far cry from the central plains of Scotland and the place of both opportunity and challenge for a wee Scottish lad of just six years old. This lad's name is Paul Coletto, and I caught up with him earlier to discuss his education journey. Good afternoon, Paul. Afternoon. Uh, first question I wanted to ask you was, where did you go to primary school and what were some of your most vivid memories? My first school I went to was Maranong Primary School, and my vivid memory was, uh, uh, <laughs> what am I doing here? Because I was from a different country and didn't get along with a lot of kids because they thought I talked funny and wore glasses so I looked funny. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember being a bit bullied when I first started. The assisted passage scheme introduced by the Australian government saw more than a million Britons arrive in Australia between 1947 and 1981. Of these, around 170,000 were Scots like Paul bringing with them their own cultural identity, ideas, language and accent, all of which they considered to be normal to them. While normal has become pivotal to how our lives and society are organised, Paul's experience highlights just how not fitting the profile of Australian society's normal saw him treated differently by his peers. The bullying Paul was on the receiving end of is a classic case of ethnocentrism, where the perpetrator may reactively display this type of behaviour to people with different languages or accents based on their narrow socially or self-constructed view of what is normal or desirable and what is abnormal or undesirable. It was um, uh, stand up for yourself or be bullied and harassed. Then once he began to mature and adapt to Australian society, His confidence grew and he started blossoming through secondary school, applying himself until the end of year nine, developing practical skills he would put to good use throughout his later life. Our school was a technical school when I went to Williamstown Tech. It was all tech stuff like carpentry, motor mechanics, uh, plumbing, electricians, stuff like that. I was more into that side of the school than like maths, like accounting and stuff like that. While student disengagement is a current issue that contributes to one in four students failing to complete Year 12, Paul's reasons for leaving school in Year 9 were quite the opposite. Paul was highly engaged at school, so much so he put his studies to good use and soon found work in the building and construction industry, a common situation for the times. While school participation rates of 15 to 19 year olds from 1966 to 1972 hovered between just 26 and 35%, Unemployment in Australia during the same time was less than 2%. Compare this to now where the population is far greater, unemployment is higher at around 6.8% and school participation for the same age group is above 80%. Next up, I asked Paul about the qualities of teachers that he responded to best throughout his schooling life, to which he had this to say. Well... Um, teachers that helped you didn't put you down like if you were having trouble they'd sit with you and they'd teach you through the problems and stuff like that and then you'd have other teachers like I don't know a lot of people know this fella called Peter Norman was in the Olympics and he was a very hard nosed sports teacher and you did gymnastics with him all the time and there was nothing else but gymnastics and if you wanted to learn basketball or other things, 
uh, there was no way you were going to do that. Yeah. You know, it had to be his way or no way. The banking concept of education centers largely around teachers who know things and students who don't, and teacher action and students' compliance. This concept is not conducive to effective teacher-student partnerships. Paul's reflections on his experiences with his teachers highlight just how crucial it is that teachers invest in building on and improving relationships with students. His time spent with his sport teacher is remembered for all the wrong reasons and shows a teacher who fosters discipline-focused, antagonistic relationships with students driven by his own biased agendas. In concluding, I asked Paul whether looking back he would change anything about his schooling. Interestingly, despite all the social and cultural struggles, this was his response. I don't think I'd change anything because it sort of just all flowed and it just was easy to go through the school and do what I like to do. And um, virtually there was no pressure into doing anything. Yep. You just What you liked, you did. Like if you wanted to go play in the band and you could play instruments like I did, I went and played in the band and, you know, it was more studying with woodwork and mechanics and stuff like that. Yeah. And we just enjoyed what we did. There was no pressure into going one way, like force you into another area where you didn't want to go. You could go mm. where you wanted to go and learn. Yeah. So it was good. While neoliberalism has led to an ever-changing nature of Australia's education landscape, and an increase in the number of stakeholders and agendas, the federal government-driven performance focus, including compulsory year 3, 5, 7 and 9 NAPLAN testing and other standardised testing, has undeniably played a role in a range of significant and complex issues around increased student anxiety, mental fatigue and pressure to perform academically. This has contributed to dividing practices, whereby students are measured relative to one another based on scores often resulting in them being categorised and certainly contributing to their self-image. Perhaps this was something that has become more problematic in the present times and I felt as though Paul was sympathetic to the current schooling generation. After chatting with Paul, it made me think how there are always two sides to every equation. While the 1960s and 70s brought with them unique challenges and social and cultural context, so too does the present. While it would be certainly naive to suggest none of the schooling challenges faced by Paul exist today, the world is a different place and elements of schooling back then would not be possible now. A change in society and several changes in government has meant different values and, rightly or wrongly, new ways of measuring how winners and losers are created with new consequences to individuals. For the wee bespectacled Scottish lad of six years of age, the transition to Australia wasn't without its obstacles. Thankfully, Paul has managed to overcome them and flourish from his experiences, which have continued to shape him as a man, happily retired and now a husband, father and grandfather. This has been the Education Professionals podcast and I look forward to your company again next week. Having moved to Australia from Scotland during the baby boom generation in the early 60s, Paul's parents sought a life with greater opportunity in the land down under. This time in Australia's history saw significant change, with a steady rise in population 
and increase immigration creating exciting prospects for a multicultural society. With all the excitement came the reality that there would also be major challenges of minimising the negative effects faced by immigrants re resulting from differences and division.